Sneak a man open and it's the rooster loose and they're not going to catch him. Touchdown Miami. Two plays, two touchdowns in the third quarter. And a full-on shootout. This is the High Motor Podcast. Andrew Dowdy, Chase Kitty. It's the official podcast of Nebraska football. Our time as the official podcast of the Sunbelt Conference. That was fun, wasn't it? I think it was last week we were the official podcast of the Sunbelt Conference. We did a pretty good time with that, didn't we? Great week. It was a good week. So we appreciate that partnership that we had with Sunbelt for the last two episodes, but now the High Motor Podcast is the official podcast of Nebraska football in appreciation for gifting us this content to open the show this week. And I mean, what am I missing here? Because it sure seems... Stoop, for those of you that did, did not see this, or you've been living under a rock somehow, Nebraska is opening with a tough schedule. Nebraska doesn't like that they're opening with a tough schedule, and they're complaining about it. I mean, what am I missing here? Because it sure seems stupid for them to complain about scheduling for a lot of reasons. One being, the Big Ten wasn't even supposed to be playing football. Now you are. Shut up. The, the other reason, which I think is probably bigger, is you have your coach. Like, you have the coach that you wanted entering year three. I get it's a weird year three. It's not the normal year three. But still, you have the guy, the guy who you believe is going to return Nebraska to its glory days, which, no, I think you and I are both on board with that. Glory, but, glory day? Can we say that? There, I, I don't I don't even want to say there were multiple glory days. It was like one day. I don't think that this is the... I don't think that Frost is going to do that. We agree with that. Like, he's not going to bring them back to what they were before. Yeah. Hey, Arnold's not coming back on TV. No. Boy Meets World is done. You have Nebraska, 13 total wins the last three years. You're not going to win very many games this year. And I know that you, you said that I love looking at these types of things. And I had fun looking this one up. Nebraska, 13 wins over the last three years. Fewer than... Louisiana Monroe, fewer than Vandy, Georgia State, Central Michigan, Indiana, fewer wins than 99 FBS teams. They're tied for 100. Triple digits. Let's go. Are you more sympathetic than I am with Nebraska's scheduling beef opening at Ohio State versus Wisconsin a week later? You get Northwestern in the middle there before Penn State at home two weeks after that Wisconsin game. So three of your first four games, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, do you think Nebraska has a legitimate beef with their schedule, or you want them to just shut up and play football? No, I don't think they have a legitimate beef at all. I like to think of myself as somebody who is empathetic, as somebody who looks at nuance, who likes to listen to the other side and play devil's advocate and all those things. If you're in Nebraska and you spent the last six weeks saying, guys, we just want to play football, why can't? Well, this is football. And then you get your wish and you get to play football and you want to bitch about your schedule. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. And like, it, it's not just that part of it. The other part of it for me is how it's, it goes into that classic idea that we talk about with, with Nebraska and a little bit of like Michigan. Maybe even to some degree Texas. I actually want to exempt Texas from this. But this idea of certain programs who think they're a way bigger deal than they are. That think they are way closer to the center of attention than they actually are. 
Nebraska, do you really think that the there's some Big Ten conspiracy like, oh, guys, we got to make sure Nebraska has a tough schedule? As you just pointed out, 13 wins in the last three years. They don't have to fix anything for you to lose games. You're just going to lose games. So, like, this whole thing, like, I just – stop. Just that's, – that's the end of my take. I don't even want to spend any more time talking about it. It's so stupid. Well, hold on. Hold on here. Because with Nebraska, Bill Moose's comments, I don't have them pull up right in front of me, but anybody that's listening can find them. He's essentially saying that the Big Ten did this to us intentionally. No, they did not. I don't, even if they, did they laugh about it internally? Like, I don't know, maybe. Like, when it before it came out, did they laugh and say, hey, wouldn't it be funny if they opened with Ohio State, then play Wisconsin the next week, then we give them Penn State or Michigan the week after that or a week week after that? Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I don't know. Were there some guys that laughed about this or laughed when it came out because they thought it was funny after the lawsuit and Nebraska's complaining and all that? Intentionally, I would be shocked. I don't think that the Big Ten, after all of their missteps with transparency and communication and messaging over the last, what, six, seven weeks now, I don't think that they would risk that getting out. I mean, if you remember, Nebraska whined about their cross-divisional games last year. I think it was last year. I don't think it was 2018. I think it was last year when that came out saying that they wanted to play teams like Indiana more, and then they played Indiana and lost. Like, you're in the West. <laughs> you're you're already getting the gift of not having to play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and when Michigan State was a hell of a lot better than they are now, you're already getting that gift, not playing those three teams that are annually among the, what, top 10, 12, 15 in the country. I find this hysterical. Like, I found Scott Frost's Scott Frost whining last year hysterical during that Iowa game. I found they're complaining about the Indiana thing last year hysterical, too. This is maybe even more hysterical. Just play football. This is a bizarre year. Appreciate that you're playing the game just like you said. Yeah, I mean, statistically, somebody in the Big Ten West is going to get banged on the schedule this year, right? Like, that's just... So it's it you. happens it's, every it's year. You. I mean, that's not even just this year. Like every year, Wisconsin two years ago when they had a, a playoff contending team, they had a brutally hard schedule drawing. I think it was the top two or top three teams from the East. That's just going to happen every year to one team. And Nebraska doesn't give a shit when it happens to Wisconsin or Illinois or Northwestern or whoever. They care when it happens to them, and nobody cares. Yeah, that's it. We're done, right? But the I Big mean, Ten is back. Stupid. The Big Ten is back. That's a headliner. We jumped into it a little bit uh, on Thursday's episode very briefly. And here's the piece that I want to get more into. And before this weekend, there was already a lot for us to unpack with this Big 12 stuff. We said we're going to elaborate on it. That was before Oklahoma State just shit the bed against Tulsa. And Oklahoma State is your playoff pick from the Big 12. I had Oklahoma coming out of the Big 12, uh, winning the the conference championship and going to the playoff. But I was extremely high on Oklahoma State before all the cancellations and postponements. I had Oklahoma State as the ninth best team in the country. Oklahoma State now goes and lays an egg against Tulsa. They should have lost that game. That that game was worse than Iowa State's loss. That was worse than K-State's loss. Oklahoma State should have lost that game. And I'm having a really hard time all but eliminating them from the playoff discussion. I'm not going to wipe them out entirely because things happen and you know teams dramatically turn things around and we've already seen this year a lot of postponements kind of bizarre games that could very well happen but that was really something from Oklahoma State on Saturday and we're going to have a lot to get to with the Big 12 and Big 10 let's just start here in your opinion how does the Big 10's return again coming on October 24th how does that affect the Big 12 now after 
that miserable showing by Oklahoma State. What's the effect on the Big 12 now that the Big 10 is back and they throw at least one strong playoff contender in Ohio State into the pool, but then if you're high on Wisconsin, if you're high on Michigan, if you're high on Penn State or somebody else, how does that affect what the Big 12 now does after that Tulsa game? Yeah, so I feel like this is the question of the weekend, and so I spent a lot of time kind of playing out scenarios in my head, and what I came up with was I'm not sure how much it affects it. I'm not sure how much the Big Ten affects it. And the reason I say that is if you look at where the Big Ten teams are slotted in the AP poll as of right now, going into this this upcoming week post the Tulsa-Oklahoma State debacle after all this, going into this week, Ohio State, I think we all agree, is, is the premier team in the Big Ten. They're at number 10 in the poll. Number 10. So They're not in the poll this week, I thought. I, they just came out with a new poll. It was Maybe it wasn't the AP poll. Maybe it was the coaches poll. But, yeah, it was the coaches poll, not the AP poll. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't think they're putting – I can't remember what Ralph Russo tweeted. Either they're putting Big Ten in next week or the week after that. Yeah, but yeah so the, I get your The point. coaches poll. They're at number 10 in the coaches poll. That's my bad. And if, if the AP poll plays out similarly, I feel like that's a big roadblock to the Big Ten getting a team in the playoffs. You're talking about having eight weeks to make up ground, and it's not its not like the other teams that are ahead of them are going to have a similar period where they're not playing. They're going to have to make up ground just by playing. And, I mean, this is a pretty unprecedented scenario when you talk about how all this is going to play out. But when you look at the teams that are ahead of them, you've got Clemson. You got Alabama. You've got who both teams that are the most likely to win the SEC East, Florida and Georgia. You've got Oklahoma. You don't have Oklahoma State because they dropped to 18 after all the bullshit with Tulsa. But you have Notre Dame. I mean, you have a lot of teams that are now ha- now have inside position on getting a playoff berth over the Big Ten's most likely champion, and that's if Ohio State runs the table. Like, let's say that they don't. Let's say that they drop a game, which I we all know statistically, a lot of these years, even really, really good teams drop a, drop a game somewhere, pepper in all of the potential complications from coronavirus. I think that the Big Ten, I mean, they have a monumental challenge ahead of them. They are playing with one hand tied behind their back in terms of all of the extra roadblocks that are in that way, in their way. So when we talk about how how does the how does the Tulsa outcome affect Big Ten versus Big Twelve, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're all factors in there, but I feel like just the natural roadblocks in their way are a way bigger deal than any September outcome. Do we both agree that the Big Twelve's margin for error has now shrunk a little bit with that Oklahoma State game? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, because yeah. before you could make the case that both Oklahoma schools were roughly equally likely to make a, a real shot at the and it was Essentially, the winner of that game would be in that spot. And maybe even the loser of that game could still get into the Big 12 championship game and then win that and get in as a one-loss team. Exactly. And now Oklahoma State, I mean, what was I just saying about the Big Ten issues and Ohio State playing from behind starting in that 10 spot? Well, now Oklahoma State which has played a game, you would think that would be an advantage. That turns into a disadvantage. They're playing from the 18 hole, if you want to take the coach's poll seriously. So, 
I mean, that that's a massive issue for Oklahoma State, which some people, including me, thought was maybe the best team in the conference. Now you're looking at Oklahoma and you're looking at Texas as those Big 12 schools that are currently ahead of Ohio State in the poll. And Texas and Ohio State are so close that one good win over a good team is probably going to vault Ohio State ahead of Texas. So I don't know how much you want to take Texas. I, I mean, I know exactly how much you personally want to take Texas seriously. But in terms of the poll thing from a general audience, I don't know how seriously you want to take the Texas-Ohio State stuff. Oklahoma is going to be tough for Ohio State to catch just because of math. There's seven spots ahead of them in the poll. Like they just have a big mathematical advantage at the start of this. So I, I know some people might hear this and go, what does the poll matter? The polls dictate, they are the, I mean, literally the tent polls, pardon the pun, on how we discuss college football. And it's it's kind of like, how do you overcome that systemic advantage or disadvantage that's in your way. I mean, it's going to be a huge problem, and I think it's an ind- a problem independent of individual game results. So I agree with you to an extent. When I knew we were going to talk about this after the Oklahoma State game, it was very evident that, like you said, this was the question coming out of Week 3. I immediately thought that, while wow, the, the Big 12 is in a really tough spot. The Big 10 is in a much better spot. Now coming back, assuming they do start playing here October 24th. As I sat down and actually thought about it, for, to be very clear, I think the Big 12 is in a worse playoff spot than the other three conferences we know are totally. playing. We, we can yes. maybe add the Pac-12 to that discussion later this week, but for now, I think the Big 12 is in the worst playoff spot of any of the four Power 5 conferences playing. However, as I thought more and more about this, this is kind of where I agree with you a little bit, I started wondering if the gap between them and the Big 10 isn't that big, because I think the gap between Oklahoma and everybody else in the Big 12 is now gigantic. It is bigger than the gap between Ohio State and everybody else in the Big Ten. Ohio State is better than Oklahoma. We both agree on that. And before the season, I had Penn State barely ahead of Oklahoma State in my personal rankings. I think Penn State was 7 and Oklahoma State was 9. Now, after that Tulsa game, I don't think it's unreasonable to wonder if, here, I don't think it's unreasonable to wonder if these Big Ten teams are better than the second-best team in the Big 12, whether or not you think that's still Oklahoma State or Texas or somebody else. I think Ohio State is better, Penn State's better, Wisconsin is better, Michigan's better, Minnesota's better, and I'll listen to an argument for Iowa. I think all those five teams I listed first, and then maybe Iowa, if you want to throw that in there, are better than the second-best team in the Big 12. Do you agree with that? Uh, I think you lost me toward the end of the list. I don't know how to... When you start talking about Iowa and maybe Minnesota to some degree, that's tough for me to commit to. I think Ohio State, Penn State, like I think we can make a pretty okay. Clear so you're on board that. saying Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan. Are you good with that? Here's my one problem with this discussion. I don't know how to feel about basically any Big Twelve team yet. We got a decent reading on Oklahoma State where they have some massive offensive line issues. We don't know what's going on with Sanders, like. There are serious red flags there. I don't know of another serious Big 12 contender that's put up any actual tape that I should care about yet. I don't care that Texas beat Who Cares State by a million. I don't care that Oklahoma beat Bobby Petrino's Missouri State by a million. So I need to actually see a result from somebody that means something to me before I'm prepared to go, oh, well, I feel like Penn State, who won't play a game for another five weeks, is better than a team I've watched play one game against a bad FCS school and won by 60. 
Like, what, what am I supposed to do with that information? So no, that's my I think my that's problem. fair. I think that is completely fair, and yeah. that's what we've always talked about as hard with preseason rankings and why we both agree that even though it's hard, like you just said, rankings do matter. They drive perception. They do. I am convinced that they influence the playoff committee, even though the playoff committee oh, looks at all these numbers. how could they not? They have to. I mean, they, they drive said the they, daily conversation that people have. They drive what goes in these rundown meetings for producers at ESPN that are putting daily college football content together. It would be. I mean, you have to lock the committee in a cave and only show them football for them to not in for the polls to not have any impact at all on the committee. And we know that's not happening. Well, even if you did that, I still think maybe it's not even like the poll itself. It's even the playoff committee, even though they're not going into a season like with their personal rankings, like I don't know if each committee member jots down on a piece of paper who they think is the, the top 15 or top 30 best teams in the country. I would guess and they probably don't do that, but they still have an idea of who, who those teams are. Even if they're not reading like preview mags and looking at rankings, they still have an idea of who those teams are. And it's a, there's no way that they don't go into a season with the perception that take Oklahoma, for example. Oklahoma kind of just like seems like the the default number four team every single year. And I think that the committee has made it clear how they feel about Oklahoma. And yes, there is turnover on the committee, but still they go into a season thinking where these teams might be slotted right now. There's no way they can possibly put that perception aside of them. Anyway, go back to my original point. I understand where you're coming from. It's hard to make a judgment on the Big 12, but still sitting here, if you had to say, which teams are better? I'm saying Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan. And again, I'll listen to the argument for Iowa. So because of that, like you just said, how Ohio State has some traffic, they have some traffic within the Big Ten. I mean, they obviously play both Penn State and Michigan from the east. I like Ohio State in both of those games. Even if they drop one, the winner then replaces Ohio State in a presumably great spot for the playoff. I mean, do you follow me here why I don't think the Big 12 is that much behind the Big 10, the playoff picture, because of the traffic that, that Ohio State has. Whereas oh, yeah. behind Oklahoma, now I'm looking around, and even if I give Texas the benefit of the doubt, which I'm not going to do, but even if I were to do and say, yeah, maybe Texas is truly a top 10 team, I still think the gap is so big from Oklahoma to them, it's far bigger than what Penn State, or excuse me, what Ohio State has behind them. The traffic is what is killing me here. Even though I sat down after that Oklahoma State game thinking, God, the Big 12 is in a really tough spot, I don't know that they are in as bad of a spot as I initially thought. If you're Ohio State and you, you're playing in a tough Big 10 East and you finish your regular season 7-1, and one, that's a really tough way to make the playoff. Just because you're starting behind everybody else. You're talking about... The rest of college football will have played for almost two months before you took the field. And now you're coming in as a 7-1 regular season team. You will have to have killed everybody else on your schedule and won the Big Ten Championship game by 50 to make up that kind of ground. So it is a tough spot for the Big Ten, even if we can put aside all of the trappings and the bullshit and the fanfare of college football and can say, yeah, Ohio State's probably a top four team. That only has something to do with how the playoff is formed. We all know that there's a process beyond just who are the best four teams. They can talk all they want about we want the best four teams. We know it's more complicated than that. So yeah, I, I think 
The Big 12 and the Big 10 both have problems, but they're completely unique problems that are very, very different. I'm sitting here thinking about the conversation that we had last week, which kind of followed up on the conversation we initially had when the Big Ten said that they were going to play 10 conference games and that's it. That was back in August. That was the original plan. And we had said, well, how different is this really than a 12-game schedule? You made the point of it's only the difference of zero or one games really because the odds of a Big Ten team playing like a truly legitimate top 10 team are, are pretty small. Yeah, Ohio State was supposed to play Oregon. That's the exception. Even if you like Washington a lot this year, Michigan, Washington, Penn State, Virginia Tech. Those are the exceptions. But the difference between a 10-game season and a 12-game season is either zero or one game because you're not playing like Akron. Does that really matter? You're not playing these FCS teams. Does that really matter that much? And then last week we had asked the question, okay, now what's the difference dropping down to eight? And even though we both agree that, yeah, you're going farther down the ladder going toward, I mean, you said it's not even that far away from six games, and that isn't shit. That's half of a season. Now even sitting here at eight, but we still both agreed that it wasn't that big of a difference. Like you're still getting all of your divisional games and then you're still getting two cross divisional games. You're only one game off of how many conference games you're playing. We both agreed on that. However, it's kind of ironic now that we're talking here about catch up. And even though Ohio State's not, I don't even know who was on their non-conference schedule. Let's say it was like UTEP. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But even though Ohio State isn't pounding UTEP or pounding UTSA or whoever. Just, just or to Michigan. cut you off really quick, I happen to have it pulled up. They get Illinois and Nebraska from the West. They get Illinois and Nebraska from the West. So whoever they were supposed to play in the non-conference, you're essentially replacing those games with like Illinois and Nebraska. Because in my opinion, those are probably two of the, the three worst teams in the West. So even though Ohio State isn't pounding these bad teams in non-conference games that we agreed nobody really cares about. I mean, nobody cares when Wisconsin smashes San Jose State or whoever. But now it's almost like we need to care about that because that's the time when they are ranked highly and they stay ranked highly as opposed to playing catch-up. And they're not going to play catch-up with wins over San Jose State or Arkansas or whoever but it's kind of ironic that you almost need those games to just be playing football. Like, what if what if the Big Ten had said, we're going to play one game on September 12th, and then we're going to play one game on October 5th, and then the rest of the 6th at the end of October? Even though they weren't actually playing their full season until the end of October, they were, like, staggering their games and essentially keeping themselves in a placeholder spot so they didn't have to play catch-up as much. you follow me with this? I do, and I'll give you... Uh, I'll give you another, whoa, what about this scenario? Again, like we said, the Big Ten not playing till late October. The fate of teams like Penn State and Michigan is probably a lot, is probably more in line with being nicely ranked teams to buffer Ohio State's resume. They're probably more likely to be that than they will be legitimate playoff contenders. Are they able to get a worthy ranking that befits their status as teams when they're not taking the field until the last week of October. Is Ohio State's resume, when we get to December where we are comparing teams, is Ohio State's resume going to be watered down because these teams wouldn't have gotten the ranking that they normally would get if they're 7-1 and one going into November because they played a full schedule complete with a bunch of bullshit teams from September? Uh, versus what they're going to do now 
where they're not going to have the chance to actually achieve any wins on the field till almost November. How does that affect things? So there's a I lot. hadn't even thought about that. That's such a good question. I mean, we, we've talked a lot in the past about playoff rankings and when you beat a team in a certain part of the year, even though that, that shows up as the accurate result by the committee in November, I mean, kind of like with Florida State and Alabama a couple of years ago when Florida State started shitting the bed that final year under Jimbo, we thought Florida State was going to be really good. Quarterback goes down, turns out Florida State wasn't that good. And it's applying what Florida State actually turned out, not using, well, we thought Florida State was going to be good. When Alabama beat them, they were a top five or a top six team or whatever. I didn't consider what you just said, how the analytics and the perception is going to be completely altered because all of a sudden, even though Ohio State's not playing somebody else from another conference, they're not playing like a Big 12 team that has already played five or six games. They're still playing games when the the box score below them on ESPN is two teams that are six and one or five and three or seven and one or something like that. That, I mean, talk about perception. That has to drive perception. You talked about last week how it's just going to look weird like going into the Big Ten Championship game December 19th when maybe you have two seven and one teams and then in the other conferences they might be ten and oh or ten and one or even nine and one. How do you compare those teams? I don't know. I have no answer to your question. I didn't even think about that piece of it. Oh yeah, we there there are no answers to these questions. We're just gonna have to find out. But I think they're all things to keep in mind just how unknown all of this is, how unprecedented the nature of this season is going forward as we get closer to the playoff. It just feels like it's really unpredictable to to try to place how things shake out for a team like Ohio State, who we all know is really good, but is just going to have a really non-traditional, non-linear path to December. You know what's going to be hysterical this year? We talk about the post-rankings interview with the committee chair and how we both totally understand the committee chair is playing politics, whether that's Rob Mullins or Kirby Hocutt or whoever it is now. They play politics. We understand why they do that. If I were them, I'd do the same exact thing. I wouldn't give answers that you don't have to give answers yeah. to. They're, they're, they're doing keeping, their job. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing yeah. exactly what they're supposed to be doing by keeping the process ambiguous so they're not getting destroyed. To be very clear, I think the playoff committee has nailed every single playoff field in order since 2014. I have no problems with the four teams they put in each of the six years or the seating. So I don't really have that much reason to question them, but they're intentionally leaving this process ambiguous these interviews this year, I'm not kidding. They're going to be hysterical because they're not even going to know how to answer these questions because I don't even think they know how to weigh it. Before they actually knew how to compare an 8-1 and team versus an 8-1 and team, teams that have both played six conference games, look at their top 25 wins. I don't even know why they use it as an arbitrary metric. But they before, at least they understood how to compare these teams and they would still go out there and feed us a bunch of bullshit, which, again, I get it. I'm not expecting them to tell us exactly what's going on in that room. But now they're not even going to know how to weigh the teams. And then they're going to have to go out and feed us a bunch of bullshit that they don't even likely believe. This is It's going to be hysterical. Yeah, I can't it, wait for this. I, I'm really excited because I feel like there's one of two paths. You go like full Mark Twain, like a man who never... Man who always tells the truth never has to remember what he said. Like you can go that and be like wildly transparent, which I would think would be pretty surprising and also pretty shocking. But it is one way they could play it. You know, when Reese Davis is dialing up, how are you comparing two and O Ohio State with you know seven and O Oklahoma? <laughs> like how are you supposed? So you can do that, or they could go. 
the other way and like lean into some more like let, let's go like full blown departed like uh, I tell reporters uh, feed them shit and keep them in the dark like whatever you know you could go I have no idea what's gonna happen it's totally I don't I don't unknown. know either and I, I can't remember what the schedule is for playoff rankings being revealed but yeah you're right you said that. Um, so Ohio State opens up with, opens up with Nebraska. I can't remember who they play. Let's just say that Nebraska, the rankings Penn came out. Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers is their first three. Yeah, so I, I think that the rankings will probably come out right after that third game or maybe the week after that. So they'll be 2-1 and one with two shitty wins, we assume, and one pretty decent win, whereas Oklahoma will have played, again, shitty in Missouri State, K-State, Iowa State, Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, and Kansas by then. And I get that there are some weak teams on that schedule, but still, how on earth are they going to justify putting an Ohio State team above them? Because it's very possible that the Penn State win could be the same as a Texas win for Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has all of these other wins, whereas Ohio State has just two bad wins. It's going to come down to perception and where they thought they were ranked in the preseason, and we're going to see a lot of what we see when there are teams ranked in those first playoff rankings even though they didn't have a real win. It's like those teams that are 9-0 and who haven't beaten anybody yet, and you can't sit here and tell me that you put them there because of what they've done. You put them there because of the preseason perception of them, and that's exactly what's going to happen this year. Anything else for this? Because I don't see any other big-picture takeaways from Week 3. I think this is the big one here. Anything else big-picture uh, before we move on and do a brief look ahead at Week 4? I think I think we agree that we don't know anything. We don't know shit. Nothing. Nor does the playoff committee. And we don't, don't even think know why you guys do. listen to this podcast. 35 games are scheduled for now for week four, by far the most of any week thus far. I think we had 21 in week two and 23 last week. Some cancellations again hitting week four, but 35 games scheduled for now. Starting one on Thursday, one on Friday, 33 on Saturday. Last weekend was supremely weak. Going into the weekend, it was weak. And it proved to be weak. Now the SEC is back. The Big 12 conference games start. K-State, Oklahoma. Army, Cincinnati, I think it's very intriguing. That's probably the G5 game of the week to watch. Uh, Florida State, Miami on that week four schedule. That's where game day is going. I believe that's the ABC primetime game as well. Then you get some decent, uh, not great SEC games. What stands out to you right now as we look ahead to week four? And what storylines are you watching? Well, let's let's start with uh, something we were referencing earlier in the podcast in Oklahoma State. Uh, I was telling you off the air, I saw some people on ESPN, people I like, talking up West Virginia as a Big 12 dark horse, which is absolutely ridiculous. We have, just like I was saying, we don't know how to grade Oklahoma or Texas. I, why do I care that West Virginia beat some FCS team by 50? Like, it doesn't tell me anything. That said, if Oklahoma State's offensive line doesn't figure some shit out between last Saturday and next Saturday... The Stills brothers are going to just destroy them, okay? I don't know that West Virginia is even a top-half Big 12 team, and they will win this game. And compl- And you want to talk about derailing Oklahoma State's chances for, forget a national title, a Big 12 title? Come out of the gate and lose to West Virginia. Like, that, that'll, that'll derail things real quick. So there's that. Uh, I think the Kansas State-Oklahoma thing after last year is maybe a little bit more interesting. I still have to think Oklahoma's going to roll in that. Uh, Florida Ole Miss, Kentucky Auburn, like there's some interesting SEC games right out of the gate. I identified UCF East Carolina in our preseason questions episode as, hey, that could be an interesting game because UCF is coming off an ACC opponent. Maybe that's a down spot. And I, I think 
Mike Houston could come out of the gate with East Carolina and maybe make something happen. That could be interesting. And Georgia Tech-Syracuse. I think that could be interesting as well. Talk about an unsexy game, though. Yeah, but like I said, I'm interested in what Georgia Tech is. And after the after the hurt UCF put on them last week, are they still a bad team and Florida State is truly miserable? Or are they somewhere in the middle of that? I want to know so that I feel like I have a good handle on who they are. It's kind of funny how we had referenced that Virginia Tech-Florida State opener from two years ago, that beating uh, in Tallahassee, Willie Taggart's first game, that kind of just pushed that ball down the hill that never stopped. And as that season went on, we very closely, I personally did, I'm guessing you did too, and a lot of other people probably did, we very closely watched Virginia Tech, who turned out to be not a great team. I think they were a six-win team that year. And it's like as each week went, Florida State was not only measured by what they did, they were also measured by what Virginia Tech did. Like when Virginia Tech dropped a game to a bad team, we all went back to that week one game and said, wow, Florida State actually is super shitty. Feels like the same thing is going on now, how we're watching Georgia Tech every single week, and we're probably going to do that throughout the year, and then go all the way back to that Florida State game and say, was Florida State really that bad? And even if you're high on UCF, it's not hard to say that God Seeing that hurt, like you said, that Georgia Tech, or excuse me, that UCF put on Georgia Tech last week, Florida State is a really, really far away from being relevant, let alone good or even in the top third of the ACC. So I think every single week that Georgia Tech goes, that's going to factor into the equation for Mike Norvell and Florida State almost just as much, at least for how I'm evaluating it, almost just as much as what Florida State does. Last thing here for week four, and we're going to get a lot more into this. I want to talk about that Oklahoma State-West Virginia line. You referenced that, a number that we were both kind of surprised by. We're going to get into that on Thursday. Very quickly, G5. Army at Cincinnati, a very intriguing game for the New Year's Six picture. We've talked a little bit about G5 playoff, that we could both see it happening this year. The Big Ten might change that a little bit. Are you still buying that Cincinnati could do something like that? Or did the Big Ten's return kind of crush any of those chances? Uh, I don't know yet. Can I take a TBD? No. I know this, that's, not a, that's not a good podcast answer, but I really don't feel like I have a good idea yet. I really have no I idea. I want an irrational and reckless take on Cincinnati's playoff chances. <laughs> on their playoff chances? I mean... I think the Big Ten coming back I, I all feel like that, that pretty much wipes it out. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I don't... I mean, we said, look, we said if it was ever going to happen, it would make sense to happen this year. But we still said the likelihood was pretty slim. So I still say it's pretty slim, but getting worse. And now with the Pac-12 likely coming back, if you're that high on Oregon, that changes it a little bit too. So adding in all those pieces, even with Oklahoma State's demise that we think is happening... It sure seems like this year that could have been it for the G5 is uh, slowly going out the window. Any other notes on week four before we wrap it up and then get deeper into week four on Thursday's episode? No, not at all. Great. We'll be back on Thursday. Episode available on Thursday right away in the morning, 6 a.m. Central usually. Chase will be breaking down week four lines, uh, get more info into what you are learning from oddsmakers as this slow season progresses. Uh, your best bets. I want to get those from you. If you're feeling any parlays, you talked about parlay strategy last week. 
how you did last weekend, how you're going to approach that this weekend, games to avoid, and more. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast. Hopefully we see you back here on Thursday. I saw a friend today, it had been a while, and we forgot each other's names, but it didn't matter because deep inside, the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in between